This program is sponsored by Futures Unbounded and is responsible for its content. Welcome, fellow humans, to the Writing is on the Wall radio broadcast, coming to you from WHK 1220, a Salem radio station. This program is a non-religious, non-spiritual investigation of everything we can discern that was created, recorded, and modeled for us in the Bible. All right, folks. Well, if you listened in last week, you discovered the final large chunk of the process that is the explanation of what we are doing here on earth. Remember the three big questions, the big three, who are you, what are you, and why are you here on earth? Those are the things that you're supposed to think about answering each and every day. And most of us don't. Um, Even once a week, most of us. As a matter of fact, when was the last time you thought about that? Who are you, what are you, and why are you here on earth? Now, the why are you here on earth comes from Moses in Deuteronomy 4. And uh, let me see, that is in verse... (laughs) I'm going to have to look it up. I should probably memorize all these things, but it's there's just been so much that it's um, the Bible has so much in it, and I want you to read the Bible. I don't want you just to go to the chapters and verses and books that I tell you about. You should read the Bible because it is amazing. It shows that. We earned, um, I hate to use that term, but uh, because we certainly do do it knowingly, but we got um, an embedded chance. Generally, uh, 6,000 years ago, when man was quickened here on earth, the soul was downloaded into the body in the Garden of Eden, and the transfer process was set up. Um, when that first happened, the people of the garden, it was explained to them, not necessarily directly, but they knew that um, if they ate, if they chose to eat of the tree of knowledge, that they would surely die. It was a death sentence. It was not an immediate death sentence, but it was inevitable. And our ancestors chose to eat from that tree. And everything that has happened to us since then stems from that one decision. And we, however got a, I don't know how to put this, an opportunity. 
And again, um, Moses talks about the opportunity that mankind has. Several of the promises that God gave based on what he observed of mankind's abilities and the faith he had in our abilities. Now, you don't usually think or talk about God having faith in humans, but he does. The foundation of all that we know and think and can prove is supposed to be God's faith in us. And that's the foundation, because God believes, I believe is a bad term, because faith, God has faith in our ability to eventually pull things right. He gave us opportunities. Deuteronomy 4 tells you about one. Genesis 3, however, tells you what was on the docket for humanity before we worked our way around to getting that additional opportunity. Between Genesis 3 and the meeting at the base of Mount Horeb, about 30... About 2,500 years had passed, a little more maybe. So in that 2,500 years, we had done enough to have Adonai offer us not only opportunities, but a built-in chance is the only way to put it. He told us, that we could take the time to learn up until a certain thing happened. And that certain thing was dependent on the Jews going back to Israel, which they have done, becoming more numerous than they were in times past, which it looks as though they have accomplished. And the final caveat was when they turn back to the Lord obediently in heart, mind, and soul. That has not happened. So we still have the opportunity to take our own futures into our hands and improve our positions and our abilities. The final gong has not yet rung. Granted, a lot has gone by, but, and here's the big but, and this is what last week was about. Everything happens not only for a reason, but in its season. The opportunities were planned out along with man's responses. That's very important. In John, 
I think it's chapter 14. You're getting ready to leave the upper room. And up until this time, Jesus has, the, his disciples have asked Jesus to, to come out and, and show that you are the Messiah and take over. And um, Judas ostensibly betrays Jesus so that he will be forced to take over. This view that they had of what the Messiah was and would do was completely human and had nothing to do with Scripture. But they couldn't see that. They didn't understand the difference between their thoughts and actions and what was said in Scripture. And that's called religion. The difference between man's desires and expectations and what the Bible tells you is real is religion. And we've got a lot of religions, and they mean well. And they have kept us occupied. And if they continue to keep you occupied and fight you from learning about what God want and what Jesus was sent to deliver, as it's listed in the Bible, then they should be shunned. But up to this point, the things that they have done wrong are forgivable. Now, why do I say that? The reason I say that is because it was not yet time for us to know and understand. But that time has arrived. I may have been the first to figure it out because I was motivated. And to be honest, if people look back through my life at everything that's happened to me, they will see the hand of God. I know that I do. I was not only purpose-built, I was chosen from this. When they say that God knows you before you were born, they ain't kidding. So I am perhaps the first. I don't have to be the first. It's not a special honor for me, I don't think. It's just that I'm the kind of person that I will not quit until I understand. And God knew this. I made an oath to him when I was eight years old and did not know that that was possible. Reading the Bible, the Jews said one another, Ooh, don't whatever you do, take an oath before God. Because you will have to fulfill it. And there are no excuses. And they take it from the fact that Moses was forbidden to enter the promised land, because he took, took an oath before God and then didn't follow through. There were others after Moses. So part of the Jewish renewal is the reneging on all oaths that they may have taken, whether they did it 
intentionally or not. They renege on them all so that they can go and be cleansed and start fresh. Now, this is against what God wants you to do. He says very clearly in the Bible, over and over again. For instance, I have sitting in front of me Deuteronomy 4. Verse 9 starts off, However, be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you don't forget the things you have seen with your own eyes. Teach them to your children and grandchildren. They will teach their children the same thing. So you, the thing that's important is to understand that Moses is trying to teach them that the only way to deal with God is body, mind, and soul wholeheartedly. Make a commitment, stick to it. As Jesus said, thy will be done, Lord, not mine. The only way to succeed is for you to not make the decisions but to accept the decisions that God has made and to go with them. And this is basically what Jesus came to teach. John 7, 24. I came to, to teach you how to judge correctly. Stop judging on outward appearances and judge correctly. And that's because Jesus wanted us to learn what objective decision-making was. Now, that term is mine. Uh, it fits, so I'm going to continue to use it. Uh, just as we were all born into our bodies and learn to figure things out subjectively, what impact does it have on me? on my well-being, my perception of myself. All these things are subjective. If at some point you do something for another, it's so that they will think well of you. So you're still doing things for a subjective benefit. It's only when you learn what objective decision-making is like, and you do it not because it's best for you or will put you in a better light in somebody's eyes or will give you advantage in some way. You do it because it is what's best for everyone. And that is objective decision-making. So when he's telling his disciples that they have to be servants to others in order to understand what it is that he's trying to teach them, and they can't think that way. They're not entering into the assignment. He tells them, if you're going to be a slave, 
obey forthrightly and completely and without any reservations, nothing in your heart other than compliance. This is the term wholeheartedly that God says in the Old Testament, including in Deuteronomy, that if you seek me wholeheartedly, I will let you find me. I know it's in. There you go. 429. But if you look for the Lord your God when you're among those nations that you will be scattered in, the nations where you will be forced to worship wooden and stone gods made by human hands, you will find him whenever you search for him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you're in distress and all these things happen to you, then you will finally come back to the Lord your God and obey him. In verse 32, we get the part I mentioned earlier about the third question, why are you here on earth? Deuteronomy 4.32, search the distant past long before your time. Start from the very day God created people on earth. Search from one end of heaven to the other. Has anything as great as this ever happened before? And he gives examples. But the fact of the matter is that the clock started ticking when a human soul was downloaded into what we now recognize as a human body. And that's when the clock started ticking. There were to be six ages in the middle, and we are in that sixth age. Each age is 2 to the 10th power, or 1,024 years. You can do the math. We're not quite there. We're not completely all the way finished with it. But we're getting close. I'd say probably the last 60 years, 70 years. I don't know. I'd have to do that research. It doesn't matter for me because I'm there already. And it is not my responsibility to have all of humanity sit up and pay attention it is my responsibility to get the word out. But God, through the Holy Spirit, will make sure that people listen and pay attention when the time is ripe for them. Above my pay grade. I just have to be there with the goods. And I think I've finally figured out how to explain it to everyone. The reason that we didn't twerk to this before is because we did not, it was not time for us yet. We had not matured physically, emotionally, socially, none of the areas to the point where we would and could take the Bible apart 
beyond the retranslations that happened back to the original and determine what it was that we should be looking at. I think you'll find out, and only time will tell, that we are not the first group of individuals to get this opportunity. We are on Earth, but there are many other Earths out there. We are on the edge, the outer edge. Ephesians, which we did the week before, we only did the first three chapters, explained that in Ephesians 2, the prince of the air, and that's everything between the earth and the, and the heaven, was basically the master of everyone who disobeys God. And the way we see media acting today, we can definitely agree with that. Well, I certainly can. But the important thing to know is that Paul didn't quit there. We will go into Ephesians 6. Maybe we'll get there this evening. But the thing that you need to realize, that Paul is telling you that there are more actors in the heavens than just God, or the Holy Spirit, or Jesus. You need to understand that you have made a conceptual error putting everything in your idea of who and what operates on this earth as God, and that being a single individual in your mind. This is not the way Paul saw it. This is not the way that Jews grew up teaching one another. There were forces at work that did not have the same agenda, but could not overrule Adonai. They could work in the background, they could cause problems, but they could not exert authority on humans on planet Earth. Now, could they seduce them to do something else and be destructive? Yes. And, and that is what the Prince of the Air has done and is doing. But he's not alone. He's the what? The head puppet. The thing that you need to understand is we have an opportunity still and there is a solution still and we can be part of that solution but it requires using our brains to grow up. Addressing reality and putting fantasy aside. 
every belief system you have is inadequate. That's all there is to it. Only reality is adequate. So the Bible wants us to use reality as our pad to figure things out. We're alive in a world that is surrounded by reality. And yet we live with our dreams and our expectations as though they were real instead of addressing reality. When I come back after the break, we will go through this a little more directly and see if we can't figure out a structure for what it is that we need to learn. See you on the other side of the break. Thank you. Swamp, fake news, racist hats. Are you afraid to believe anymore? Well, let me tell you of one brave soul who, like David, slew Goliath. The true story of one man's fight against greed, corruption, and insatiable ambition in small-town Ohio, Checkmate reveals why passion and integrity are rare in the corridors of swing state politics. If you want to hear the truth, how the swamp operates in Ohio with all the political corruption in real time, get Steve Krause's tell-all true-life story, Checkmate, One Man's Fight Against Political Corruption, available on Amazon. As a newly elected state representative, Steve takes you behind the scenes, behind the closed doors, and rips back the curtain to expose all the lies, the deceit, and power-hungry gamesmanship. Checkmate reads like a TV drama, but it's not. Once you start it, you won't be able to put it down. Checkmate, one man's fight against political corruption by Steve Krause, available on Amazon today. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There are those in Washington who want the IRS to take more of your hard-earned money. Are you tired of being the perpetual cash cow for every scheme, unreasonable program, and for all the fraud, waste, and abuse in our system? Well, good news. I can help. George Satari has almost 40 years of experience helping people like you keep more of what you make. It makes no sense that the more you make, the more they take. Let George help you keep your money away from the government bureaucratic waste and in your pocket. Call 216-651-1120 right now and schedule your free consultation today. Instead of a victim, you'll, you'll be, be the, the victor. victor. With many success stories, George helps with tax planning, estate planning, financial and business analysis, and more. The new tax law has many ways to save money with retirement planning, accelerated depreciation, up to 20% exception of net earnings, and so much more. Call 216-651-1120. That's 216-651-1120. You earn it, we'll help you keep it. That's George Satari, CPA, 216-651-1120. Welcome back, fellow humans, to the Writing is on the Wall radio broadcast coming to you from WHKW 1220, a Salem radio station. So when we left at the break, we were discussing the opportunities and the problems that beset us. 
and the fact that we are ignorant children who have not taken the time to follow the directions, instructions, models, and examples set forward for us in the Bible. Instead, we listen to religions who take a piece here and a piece there out of the Bible, give you their ideas, and use the biblical structure and scripture to support their ideas. Now, they mean well. They've heard from other people who heard it from other people who heard it from other people, and they went to seminary, so it's written down in books that this is what you tell people. And they think by telling them that they are doing them a favor. Unfortunately, the Bible is very strict on this. It says that you can add nothing or take anything away from whatever God has said. And that's extremely important. The reason it's important is because that's what they are doing. When they are giving you their ideas and trying to bolster it with their interpretation of Scripture, then they are putting themselves in God's place before you. They are inserting themselves between you and God. Now, the fourth commandment is one that I would not want on my plate, and they don't think it applies to them. I think they're going to find out differently. But that, again, is above my pay grade. All I know is that the more that you read the Bible and work to understand what it is God wants you to know, and it takes years, but if you do that instead of listening to human sales pitches and assurances, then you will be close, closer at least to God. Proverbs 3, 5 says, What is Proverbs? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and do not depend on your own understanding. And 6 says, And he will make your ways smooth. So the idea is that you read the Bible and pray, although to be honest, every time you're reading the Bible and trying to figure out what's in it, you are offering prayers to God. It's only when you stop trying to figure out what's in it and decide that you know what's in it that you quit praying to God. And at that point, you might say a human prayer, oh, bless me, Lord, blah, 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 blah. And you may think that that is a prayer, but that is not a prayer of supposition. It is a prayer of imposition. And you're imposing yourself over the Word of God. 
Now, I don't want to get into this too much because you know there's no need for you to feel guilty about any of this. You are quite easily forgiven as soon as you start doing the right thing. Reading the Word of God for the instructions that are housed there. Trying to figure out what it is that God wanted you to know that was so important that he sent his only son with the information of how to decipher it. Because when you get down to it, that's what Jesus brought. You don't understand when you're thinking only about yourself or primarily about yourself what it is that God wants. You have to leave yourself out of the equation and look at it completely objectively. What's best for everyone? And don't try to answer that yourself. Try and find the answers in the Bible. Then you'll start to learn. And that's what the Bible is here for. It is a teaching manual. Moses called it the Book of Teachings. And there wasn't that much written in it yet. But he knew that more would be added to it by God's hand. Now, did God write the words themselves? No. Did he inspire humans to do it? Yes. And those humans may have put their own spin on it. So that's why you need to work to decipher it and make sure that you're not getting any kind of human addition to God's words. Now, it's easy in Jeremiah, where God speaks directly to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah speaks directly to God, and asks him questions, and gets answers. You can't ask for anything clearer than that. And that's where we find out an awful lot about humans and the way we're built. This morning in Bible study... Our pastor was telling a story about how we have a soundboard and a gentleman who knew somewhat how to use it. And he ran out of places to put in single inputs. He had to have one for the organ. He had to have one for a couple of singers. But then there was none left for the last singer to be recorded. And he got upset at this. And he tried things, and they didn't work. So finally, he got a splitter. Just to see if this might, if would this mix things up and make it worse? Nope, it worked. So he was able to reprogram the board to keep the voices, each one separate, as well as the organ. Something he didn't know he could do. 
he didn't even know it's possible to do it, let alone know how to do it. But he was driven to do it by the fact that he did not want somebody else's contribution to be wasted. So famously, after rehearsal, he made this comment. Now our only limitation is our imagination. He felt he had mastered the equipment. And all he had to do was come up with new ways to use it. So it's very important, a very important lesson. Our imagination, or lack of our imagination, or lack of our ability to trust our imagination, is what's holding us back in many instances. My other Bible study was reading in John about the spirit of truth. And one of the older gentlemen said, well, the Holy Spirit's busy. Now, in his mind, the spirit of truth that Jesus said he would ask his father to send and the Holy Spirit, which was already here on earth, were one and the same. The Bible specifically disagrees. But this individual has been taught this, or he thinks he has, he thinks he has learned this over his lifetime of attending religious facilities. So that's a problem for us, and that is that we are too willing to put another human between us and God, or a concept, or a point of view Now, back in the day, 3,400 years ago, the Jews were afraid of God. They wanted to placate him. And that's what they started their religion for. Not communicating with God, but placating God. Because if they had powers like he had, they would want people to kiss their butts. So we think we know what we're doing and we don't look for the solution and we don't pray to God and ask for enlightenment or the solution because we think we already know. That's hubris. And that has always been mankind's hugest problem. We think we know what we're doing and what we're about. Remember the big three? Who are you? What are you? And why are you here on earth? If you can't answer who are you and what are you, then you don't know why you're here on earth. 
You're here to give yourself, to be given an opportunity to learn, grow, love, and get wisdom. You need to understand that God has given you the opportunity to mature physically, socially, emotionally, and to do it within the context of a human community. So you should know and understand that when you think that you know all that there is to know about God, and you may not say that out loud, but if you do something and have an expectation of understanding what God's response is going to be, then you think you know God. And point is, I'm trying to tell you, God is not the single CEO. He is the Lord and protector of humanity. He does not own us, as he has said. He wants only the best for us, as he has said. But he cannot grow up for us. And that's the important point. We need to use reality as our, the, the chief component of our decision-making matrix. We need to use God's faith in our abilities as the foundation for the first cornerstone of reality, which is logic which is manipulated by the second cornerstone of reality, and that is reason. And once you manipulate logic with reason, you'll come up with some goofy answers and some that will work. And that's what wisdom is all about. Will this solution work? And it allows you to flush out the goofy answers. And finally, how do I apply the knowledge that I manipulated, the, the logic, the reason, checked by wisdom? How do I apply that to everyday life, my brothers and sisters around me? And that's what grace is, the fourth cornerstone. And that's the one that Jesus came and delivered when he told us how we should make decisions. We should not judge by outward appearances. Instead, we should judge correctly. Finding ways for everything we do to improve everyone's life around us. So that's what our challenge is, to grow up, to understand what it is that we have before us, to read the Bible to discover the things that we took for granted, or the information that's available to us, 
not to accept the specific translation and the wording it uses, but instead to dig and find out what was originally written. And then the follow-through. God wants your wholehearted commitment to being part of the solution and not part of the problem. We were all born as part of the problem, making decisions subjectively. What is good for us? What do we like? What do our friends like? What can it help me with? And when you run all through those and you, you get to the bottom, you say, this is unsatisfying to use this to better my own life and to allow my brothers and sisters to continue to wander around in ignorance. Then you will understand what Christ was trying to tell you. You become a Christian not for yourself but for your brothers and sisters. They are your responsibility. You read the Bible to learn. And that's so very important. There's no other way for us to grow up except to learn what it is that we've taken for granted, learn what it is that we need to do and when and how we need to do it, and how to learn to live with the consequences of doing it. We're going to have to reorganize our entire civilization. Life will be pretty dull if all we're going to do is fight to make more money. If we fight to exert power over others, that's another thing that we're going to find to be useless. If we give people the opportunity to act on information that we share with them, and we show them how to structure their responses so that it's best for everyone involved, then we've done something. Moses had a problem at Meribah. He listened to other humans instead of to God. God called him out on it. And because of it, he was not allowed to enter the promised land. Don't be a Moses. I think he was the first lawyer. Don't be a Moses. Now, Moses knew and understands so much more than just about everyone, but he was, what, part of the human equation 
and he felt a part of it. He did not want to step outside and and be the prince that humanity needed. But he did. He wasn't comfortable with it. But he did it anyway. And that's what we need to learn. We need to grow up. We need to reorganize our lives. And we need to respond to the opportunities that God has given us. But we don't have to do it in five minutes. We have a little time. But at the end of our time, we need to make that commitment to doing what's right for mankind as well as for God. And that shouldn't be a problem. The book of teachings is here for us. It's here to give us answers to our questions, to show us questions that we need to ponder, and to give us examples of how to do things so that we will understand what it is we're doing and why. Again, in John, in the upper room before they leave, he washes their feet and he tells them, you need to learn to become as servants if you are going to follow me. They don't understand this. To them, a servant is someone who isn't good enough to sit at the head table. And he tells them, I cannot tell you where your place will be, but it will be at my table. The way to success is by following the instructions and the directions that God has included in the Bible for us. And we will try and go over those and list those. I will do my best to get it down to an action. What? List of things for you to do so that you can work at growing up and becoming the human being that God wants you, encourages you to become. We'll go over all the things that God wants you to think about. We'll go over the things that you need to do. We'll go over how to help others. And we will constantly go over the things in the Bible that point us this way. For the longest time, I thought mankind was just a bunch of childish bums not applying themselves and learning God's word and doing as he instructed. But then, when you read about the timing clause and understood that the time was not right until just recently, This year, 2021. Until the time was right, there is no way to impugn you because your time had not yet come. But it has come now. So it's time for us to get busy. And so I'm going to have an action list of things for you to do.
hopefully by next week, where to start and what you need to try and understand as you go forward. Because within my lifetime, we're going to have to redirect our civilization. God gave us the Ten Commandments to start civilization because we needed to mature socially. And that's why we created civilization using God's directions, instructions, and the tool that he gave us. There are many other aspects that we need to go over. My time is growing short for this week, but we'll be back next week. And hopefully I'll have that action list accomplished, or at least fairly well started. But the fact of the matter is that you need to understand that this opportunity has not gone away yet. It is still available to you. And hopefully you will respond and become part of the solution instead of remaining part of the problem. All right, folks, thank you very much. Signing off now, this is T.A., the teacher's assistant from the Writing is on the Wall radio broadcast. Thank you and good night. This program has been sponsored by George Satari, CPS.